financial mistakes to avoid and some of these I've made myself. And now, That Financial Guy Show with Keith Wilson. Hey, welcome back to That Financial Guy Show. My name is Keith Wilson, financial advisor here, helping people just like you, spreading the wealth of information out there, helping you along your personal finance journey. So I'm a financial advisor. I've been doing this for 35 years. And over those 35 years, I have seen a lot of financial mistakes that people make. And uh, I, I've got a list here. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's it's kind of some of the common mistakes or pitfalls that I, I see people go through. And sometimes when people come to see me, they've already made these mistakes and we've got to kind of fix them, get them on the right tracks. But uh, some of these financial pitfalls that could really derail your financial goals. So, so this is not in any particular order. It's not one of those videos where we're going to count down from 10 to, and the number one mistake is this. No, no financial or no particular order, just uh, a list of some common areas that I see where people uh, get in trouble. And the first one really is about the stock market and it's people will get a little nervous when the stock market is going down and they see their investments go down month after month and they just say, hey Keith, let's go to cash. I wanna get out of this thing. It's, it's going down too much. And that could be a mistake because when markets go down, it's kind of like a rubber band. Think of it like this, a rubber band stretching, it's going down, it hurts, it's going down. But when it rebounds and that rubber band releases, usually, not always, but typically, that rebound is quick and it's fast and it's uh, upward uh, movement to it. So if you miss out on that rebound, then you really are, you, what you did was you sold low and you're, you're going to get in at a higher point. And so I've, I've heard people say, well, when, when people say, I want to go to cash, my, my question to them is, when do you want to get back in? And typically they'll say, hey, when it goes back up. Well, think about that for a second. There again, you sold low and you're going to get in at the higher point. So, you know, maintain your risk tolerance. Maintain your objectives. Be patient with that. You got to be in it to win it. And that's why historically, according to uh, Vanguard, the average investor earns something like 2.5% a year when the stock market is 8, 9, 10% a year and it's because of those emotions. So speaking of risk tolerance, Mike Tyson had a saying where, hey, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So risk tolerance is the same thing. Everybody's risk tolerance is good until the market goes down. So stay with, with it, be patient. Don't be trying to time the market. Time in the market is better than timing the market. Another pitfall that I see is something called lifestyle creep. And uh, I've seen this a lot over the years. I remember, oh, years ago, I was working with a young couple and uh, their income was under $100,000 a year, household income. And we had gotten their savings rate up to 15%. Uh, and they were increasing that every year and trying to get that savings rate up. Well, I mean, they had degrees and they uh, advanced in their careers 
And over the years, their income crept up to a household income of over $450,000, but their savings rate did not change. They, they would say to me, well, we're saving the same amount of money that we always have. Isn't that good? Well, no, if you're making $100,000 and you're saving 15%, 20%, 15,000, 20,000, that's great. If you're making $450,000 a year household income, you should also get that savings rate up as well. So lifestyle creep, what happened to them was the more money they made, the more they spent. And uh, they justified it by, hey, we've got good incomes. We could afford this and afford that. And before you know it, they were buying and buying and then borrowing and borrowing and still justifying uh, the fact that we can afford the payments because of our, our income is so high. But their savings rate was suffering. So what they're doing is they're hurting themselves in the long run uh, just because of the lifestyle creep. They wanted to keep up with the Joneses. Another thing, um, just like any other financial videos you're watching, is credit card usage. I can't leave that one out because I see it time and time again. Now let me get this straight. I'm not one of these financial advisors that say you should never use a credit card. No, I, that's fine. Credit card, you can use a credit card, but carrying a balance each month, if you're not paying that balance off each month, that becomes a problem and it can creep up on you um, using, overusing credit cards. And this is not age related. I see it, people in their 20s and 30s and even 70s and even 80s still abusing the credit cards and just keep putting money on it. And sometimes it's because they don't have an emergency fund and they've got to use it uh, to cover that emergency fund. But with the interest rates the way they are today, this is a killer. So when I work with my clients, I put together a debt reduction plan. So getting out of credit card debt, uh, you can look at it two ways. I know Dave Ramsey is a big proponent of the snowball effect and I like that which is saying hey if you got multiple credit cards multiple balances attack the smallest one first forget about the interest rate and then work yourself up to the larger one and that's all behavioral that's all emotional it's not math and that works for some people and some people I advise to do that or recommend to do that because it's a feeling of accomplishment uh, the other is the avalanche effect. That's where we're going to attack the highest interest rate first. Forget about the balance. And we're going to plow everything we can towards that higher interest rate and maybe make minimum payments on the smaller interest rate. This is designed for a special type of person, though. For those that are truly disciplined and they say, I'm, I've had it with a credit card usage, Maybe they've cut up the credit cards and we really are going to attack the plan. The avalanche plan will save more money and uh, interest in the long run. So that snowball or avalanche really depends on the person that when I'm coaching someone, it's almost like a doctor in counseling where we decide which is going to be best for that person. Another pitfall or uh, financial mistake that I see uh, folks make is they're not automating 
their savings. And if you would start out at an early age, pay yourself first. So for example, set up at the first of the month when the paycheck comes in, start with your emergency fund. The emergency fund should be three to six months of expenses, not income, of expenses saved up for those emergencies. So let's start to build that first. So when the paycheck comes, go online with your bank account and say, I'm going to, on the first of each month, I want to transfer whatever it may be, $100, $500 a month into that savings. And so when it's automated, it's psychological, you're not going to miss it. You really aren't. So it's, it's kind of like a deduction from your paycheck. Then you graduate from the emergency fund where you're automating to your 401k contribution. So if your company offers a 401k, they'll set that up for you and you can dictate what percent of your salary you want to set aside into that 401k. That's an automation as well. And then you can graduate to maybe shorter term goals of, hey, I want to uh, save for a down payment on a house. So we have a separate savings account where we automate. So it's set up automatically. You're paying yourself first. And uh, the thing that I see is most people do this in reverse and they say, oh, whatever is left over at the end of the month, that's what I'll save. Well, the trap there is you're going to just spend uh, without it. So this is kind of putting you in a plan of action. All right, speaking of a plan, why don't you plan to subscribe to this channel? I would really appreciate it. It helps me get the information out there. All right, that was cheesy. Speaking of a plan, I want to talk about a financial plan. So part of the mistakes that I see is people, they don't have a plan of action. They don't know how much they need to save towards retirement. They don't know what their retirement is going to look like. They don't know how to budget and how to get out of debt. They don't know how to fund a, their college, uh, their kids' college plans. So a true blue financial plan uh, that's built specifically for that person gives them a plan of action. And this is what I do for my client, clients is I build a plan and usually at the end there's just a one-page plan that says these are the action points you need to, to make. So having a plan is going to you know, direct your path to your goal. All right, uh, next on my short list here, 401k loans. So I do see this a lot. I have seen it over the last uh, several years. People are you know, plunking down dollars in their 401k. They're, it's great. Maybe they're saving 15, 20% or even maxing out their 401k. But every once in a while, they'll dip into it and they take a loan out. Um, you got to be careful with that. What I see people are doing with the 401k loans, they're buying a car with a 401k loan or a boat or a vacation because they think they deserve it and all of that. Maybe they do, but keep in mind, a 401k is for retirement. It's not for a vacation. It's not for a car. And so when you take a 401k loan, you might justify it as, yeah, I got to pay interest, but I'm paying it back to myself. But you just took money out of an investment vehicle that could be accelerating. And you're taking away from your retirement, future retirement income. All right, the next thing I have on my list, and again, this list is just, you know, for common from what I see working with 
folks throughout the last 35 years. This one is not really going to financially ruin you. It's going to put a hardship on uh, your loved ones, and that is procrastinating on getting a will and a power of attorney. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen working with people and every client review, did you get the will done? Here's the attorney referral and things like that. No, we don't. We haven't done it. So when you're 20, 30, or even 40 years old, you think you're going to live forever and you don't want to think about getting a will, but that's very important, especially if you have children, minor children, you need to name a guardian. Uh, for That guardian will take care of the children. If not, you die without a will. The court's going to decide who takes care of the children, who gets what, and you know, you, you may not want your brother-in-law or sister-in-law taking care of the children. So get the uh, will. Don't procrastinate. Power of attorney is another document that you're going to need that uh, says, hey, in the event, and this is while you're alive, in the event that you're incapacitated, you're naming someone else to take over your affairs that are able to handle financial affairs and uh, health care affairs on your behalf or else somebody's got to go to the courthouse and go through all this rigmarole. And this is not age-related. I see this, yeah, a lot of times with the younger folks, it's more with the 20 and 30, 40-year-olds, but even 60 and 70-year-olds still don't have a will. Don't, don't make that mistake. Go ahead and get, get it taken care of. Now, I'm not an attorney, and I don't pretend to be one. This is not legal advice. Consider what I do is I'm kind of the architect, that builds the plan and then directs you to the professional, legal professional that can work up those documents. All right, next on my list, and again, it's not an exhaustive list, uh, and it's really just things that I see common with clients and working with folks over the years is buying too much of a car. And uh, you gotta understand, when you buy a car, that's a depreciating asset. It's not like investing. So a car is not an investment, it's a mode of transportation and you need one to get you to your job. And uh, your income is really an asset that you could consider. So that's just a means of transportation. So buying too much car can derail you because these car dealerships, oh, they're slick and they can, they can work those numbers where, hey, it's only $300 a month, but it's financed for 10 years or something like that. Uh, so a good rule of thumb is uh, what, I, what I recommend is 10% of your net income should be your uh, car payment. So whatever your monthly net income, 10% of that, try not to go over that for your car payment, and then try not to finance more than three years because you want to get that thing paid off. Obviously, you want to put as much money uh, down on it as you can because you want to get this thing paid off as quickly as you can. I had, here's a story, I had a, a young lady, it was a few years ago, she called on to, on me and she, she inherited $300,000. Uh, and at the time, she was not working and she had three small children. And, you know, we worked up a, a plan for her for income, to get her back on her feet. She was still uh, studying for school. That was gonna happen in about six months. She was gonna graduate, hopefully get a job then. But lo and behold, she calls and says, I wanna buy this car, a $100,000 car. And 
there was no way I was talking her out of it. So that was one third of her total asset. So if there ever was a story about buying too much car, that was it. So be careful with vehicles. I know I'm going to hurt some feelings with people that are, you know, car people or whatnot, but I've seen people just get stuck. They get upside down in those cars and they owe more than it's worth. So 10% of net income for your monthly payment, uh, a three-year term, try to put 20% down. All right, so that this is just, uh, like I said, not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the things that I see people make mistakes. And I tell you what, I'm a financial advisor. Like I said, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've made some of these mistakes. Let's see. Uh, going to cash when the market is down. No, I never did that. Lifestyle creep. Yep. I remember it was in my early 30s and I was starting to make some, some decent money. Honey, we need to buy a new house. We need to, you know, buy this boat and we need to do this. And well, it wasn't a need. It was a want. And it just, as my income increased, I was guilty of that lifestyle creep, but I learned from it. And, uh, you know, I kind of put the uh, reins on my spending on it. But I was definitely guilty of that. Credit card usage was in, uh, yep, in my 20s, early 20s, I got in a lot of credit card debt. Started out in college. I mean, w when you're in college, you can easily get a credit card. And I just abused it. And it took me, it took me several years to get out of it and to learn uh, from that mistake. Not automating savings, uh, yeah, I was kind of guilty of that. I didn't start early enough. I didn't really start aggressively saving until my 30s. So my future self is saying, you dummy, we missed out on some good years. Uh, not having a plan, um, yeah, I really didn't have a financial plan. I didn't really have a goal back then in the 20s and 30s, but you know, I learned from that and got a plan and stuck with it. Uh, 401k loans, nope, I never did that. Procrastinating on a will, uh, I got a, I didn't, not too bad because it was after, it was after the first child was born. It was about uh, six months after that. I, I did get a will and power of attorney. Buying too much car, yep, did that. In 1989, um, uh, when I first started in the financial services industry, I thought I was a hot shot. Bought an XJ12 Jaguar, wanted to be a James Bond. Found out real quick that maintenance and insurance was an issue. And uh, I think I had it for a year, got upside down in it, got out of it, and bought a used Buick Regal. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guilty of some of these mistakes. The main thing is, you know, be patient, get a plan, and uh, learn from your mistakes. Thank you for joining us on That Financial Guy. For more information, get in touch with Keith and Jack at WFA-NC.com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear more information to help you pursue your financial goals. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA slash SIPC. The options voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. 
All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for individualized legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified attorney. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. Please seek a professional tax advisor.